You know, every once in a while with this show, we tend to wander the desert for a while. There's nothing to drink except our own pee. We have to listen to David Allen Coe records. And it makes you really not just question why we do this, but why we even live at all. But then, that every once in a while, in the distance, there's an oasis. An oasis of, of just, just pure, unadulterated, delicious water. A life-saving drink in the desert. And that's what this fucking episode is, is a life-saving goddamn drink in the desert. What do we got? Okay, this episode? <laughs> this episode. No, last episode. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Black Sabbath's debut album, Back Black Sabbath. We've got Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and their album, Southern Accents. And we've got Electric Light Orchestra and their album, Electric Light Orchestra 2. Which I actually think is their third album, ironically. So, that's kind of interesting. Yes, it is... It's just, it's episodes like this that make me... Giddy. Well, not giddy, but just like, ah, yes, this is why we do this. This is why we go through all this shit. This is why we, you know, episode after episode question my parents and their taste, and if I'm even part of the family for real. <laughs> and then we get to an episode like this and shit makes sense. It all fucking makes sense. <laughs> so, uh, like us on the Twitters at... It's just at RFTCS1. And on the Instagrams, it's just reviews from the crawl space is one solid word. And they're very similar. Um, currently, what we post well, currently what we're working on and back episodes. Everything you can see, you can see all the album covers that we've worked on and any links to all the episodes you want to listen to them. They're all there. And Twitter, we tend to post a bit more like more modern news and shit that's kind of going on. Or and, just music news. Or just, yeah, just shit yeah. going, yeah, just, just general shit going yeah. down. Uh, related to music or movies generally um so yeah i just want to get that out there and uh so let's get cracking on on the sabbath Alrighty. so just for reference sake this is the second black sabbath album that we've talked about wow, so in this only collection crazy it's only been uh it was one year ago and it was black sabbath four four yeah which we gave high high praise to i believe i'm sure we did yeah. uh black sabbath black sabbath Black Sabbath were an English rock band formed in 1968 by Tommy Iommi, Bill Ward, Geezer Butler, and Ozzy Osbourne. They're often cited as pioneers of heavy metal. They had a couple of other band names prior to setting, yeah. settling on Black Sabbath in 1969. The first one was the Polka Tulk Blues Band, and the other band was called Earth. So happy they changed the name. Yeah. Do you imagine this album coming out under the Polka Tuck Blues Band? No. Not at all. No. I don't think this letter existed with that band name. Yeah. Despite the fact that they're all the same members. Yeah. <laughs> um, they distinguished themselves with occult themes, with horror-inspired lyrics, and downtuned guitars. Their self-titled album was their first and released in 1970. It's wildly, widely regarded as the first album in the heavy metal genre, mm -hmm. the opening track called Black Sabbath has been referred to as the first doom metal song. The album released to negative <laughs> critical response, but the album was a commercial success. Yeah. It reached number eight in the UK, 23 in the US, where it remains 
where it remained for more than a year and has and sold one million copies. Retrospective reviews, however, of Black Sabbath have been more positive. It's now thought that thought by critics to be highly innovative. Yeah. Uh, with several classic metal songs that and that it changed the face of rock music. Yeah, it fucking spawned an entire genre forever. <laughs> from this one album yeah it wasn't just like I, could, I, I kind of understand like at the time the the reviewers at the time especially in the UK you're coming out of the 60s there's there's no fucking music kind of like this there's no metal like this I mean you've, you've starting to see some of that proggy kind of heavier stuff King Crimson's already out there so you have these these inklings of the heavy metal but this is like fucking heavy metal yeah and it's um it's interesting how you kind of have to drag... Doom metal, sludge metal, stoner metal. This is all right here. Start, sorry. Yeah, kind of have to drag the critics kicking and screaming into a new Into the era, future, yeah. Um, which we've seen quite a few times in yeah. this, doing this podcast. Yes, absolutely, yeah. The producer of this album is Roger Bain. He has 153 producing credits to his name. Okay. Uh, much of the Black Sabbath catalog, as well as Judas Priest, Budgie and Barkley James Harvest. Hmm. The track listing on this album, Side A, Black Sabbath, The Wizard, Wasp, Behind the Wall, Basically, and it's cute, it's spelled B-A-S-S-I-C-A-L-L-Y, and N-I-B. Side two is Wicked World, um, A Bite of a Finger. No, A Bit of a, fi- a, bit oh, of finger. a bit of Finger. Sleeping Village, and warning. Yeah, I just want to say to those people that those the groupings of the songs like Wasp, Behind the Wall of Sleep, basically an NIB or Nib, and then a bit of Finger, Sleeping Village, those are essentially, those are one song. It's, it's got like parts to it. Yeah, it's are, like part A, part B, part C. Yeah, and yeah. and they're both like, uh, the first one is almost 10 minutes and the second one's almost 15 minutes. Yeah. Which is a fucking, a staple of fucking yeah, heavy metal. Yeah, it just one runs into the yeah. other and then they it, kind of flip back to flips. the first one. Yeah, just, ah, uh, so good. Runtime is 38.08. It's about five hours and 60 minutes too short for me. Yeah, yeah, it's too short for sure. <laughs> Not often we're saying that. We wanted to keep going. Why is it over? <laughs> We've listened to this album probably more than any other. Yeah, except um, for maybe like a Pink Floyd album or something. I agree. We've we've pounded this album out. And it's an album. Well, we'll get into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. we're done. You've listed all the stuff. We're into the room. Yeah, we're into talking about it. Yeah. I fucking love this album. And this is the first time you've heard this album. First time I'd heard it. All the way through. I mean, you've heard, you know, everybody's heard Sabbath or The Wizard. Like, those are parts, those are those are their radio play hits that you hear in a classic rock stations. But, uh, yeah, this, this is a whole album experience. Yeah, it's funny because I listen to this song and I, I or to this album and... I say at least 20 times during the play, mm. I fucking love this album. Yeah. So... It just makes my heart warm. It just makes my <laughs> body think that everything is right with the world. And it's just a perfect fucking album. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with that stuff. And like, this is a direct line between this and pretty much everything that we listen to, especially metal. It's like, still, after all this time, it's the template for metal. Stoner metal, doom metal, like all the stuff that we have that really heavy. Yeah. And it's all it's all right here. And it's funny because I haven't listened to this album for a long period of time, for me. And yeah, I, I'm with you. It's just like, I'm going to have to go through some of my notes here because I actually wrote a lot of notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, one of the greatest and first heavy metal albums of all time. 
still is just like like you said as a complete album to me you're doing a disservice if you listen just going to drop the needle for one or two songs on here uh for me i i couldn't imagine a world without this album no i couldn't imagine me without this album because it's just like there's I couldn't imagine what kind of person I'd be if I didn't have that album. Like, at such an early age, being so influential, what would I even be like now? It's just, it's it's just, it's weird how some albums are just so, it's like Bowie and Ziggy Stardust. It's like that important to me. I just couldn't, like I said, I couldn't imagine. And like now as an adult, having so much of my music to listen to, it's just like, it's just like a offshoot of this. You're tearing me up. Yeah, it's, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> because I feel, I feel the same. I mean... I feel robbed that I never knew of this album yeah, until all, now. Yeah, until now. Um, but just, it's, yeah. It's, I, I just, yeah, I know. Think about that. Like, I just, all that time, that like, young you could have been sitting there listening to the, like, it, you, you, you found it, though. You found it, and you listened to it, and you had time to, to lo- love it. And uh, I just, like, I was just thinking, like, when we were listening to it, we were listening to it in the car. And we were, when we were driving, I just, like, we just had it fucking cranked up, and it was set. And it just, one of the things I'll talk about, too, is that how good, especially the remaster sounds, like, we just had it cranked up, and it sounded like we were standing in the middle of the room with them playing. And it just, we like, you a, could feel our, every, our has a decent stereo, feel every note, like, vibrating in your chest, and yeah. it's just like, oh, it's so good. I And we'd stop at stoplights, and I felt like that, that white cat in the meme. That Pure just, head just, just bobs its head it's to the tune of the music <laughs> because it just it just takes every cell of your body and makes it it just, yeah, it just wraps you in this like it makes it vibrate yeah in this vibration yeah it's fantastic and uh yeah i'm very happy that you've got to experience it because also the one of the other things too is that you haven't necessarily ever been a fan of ozzy in the past and this Partly because, you know, you're not really super familiar with his his music, but you've never really been a huge fan of his. No. And this kind of gave you a little more, I think, appreciation for him. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, Black Sabbath in particular, and it's a band that I wish that I would have seen. If I ever have one of those quizzes, which of these bands would you want to go back and see? Yeah. If Black Sabbath was on that list, it would be the number one. Yeah, yeah. I have to say that because it's, this album is just... It's something that I will listen to again and again and again Forever, yeah. in its entirety. And I really, I want to know it better. I want to sit down with the album cover with and I want to go through it song by song yeah. with the lyrics. And I just want to just dig into it and, and make it part of my psyche because this yeah, is, sure. <laughs> guess... it, it's just, it's become very important to me as well. It's yeah, for, yeah, exactly. In a fairly short period of time too. And like, like you said, like we really have listened to it probably more than any of the other albums for sure. It's one of those albums that when the world is getting me down, I will go listen to that. Yes. And yes. It's like, a it fucking will change my warm blanket mood. Yeah. Uh, and for me, it's one of the things, and we'll talk about this with Tall Penny. It's one of the things that I'm, I'm fucking, I'm so happy. Young me saw him, saw them, Ozfest '98. This fucking leading up to Sea Sabbath, it was Primus, White Zombie, Slayer, and then Black Sabbath. It was like the fucking still one of the best nights ever. Holy shit! Like seriously, I mean, just besides being Sabbath, when you're up there when Slayer's going ape shit, like I was there at, like at the very front of the pit. The very almost the front of the the, um, the crowd, right against the rail, and you look back, and you know you just see this. It was a Thunderbird, and the whole entire place is full, and they start they break out with raining blood, 
and it's just like the place goes fucking apeshit and just like and then like I said to go from that and then straight into Black and then straight into Black Sabbath and they come out you know playing open with Black Sabbath and the guitar is just like oh fuck yeah it was just such an incredible night oh so good I have goosebumps and (laughs) I too have heard Slayer in person (laughs) yes you have yeah doing Raining Blood Raining Blood yeah and it was my first heavy metal concert that was your first heavy show yeah and it was Slayer. Oh shit! It was a bunch of them. Yeah, there was four bands. Mastodon. Yes, yes. Uh, shit. Well, we have the DVD around here somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, like it's just seeing them uh, like do that, especially in '98. So they were still not entirely decrepit. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty good. Like I, I definitely that was a uh, quite the show and like out outdoors too. So it was it was pretty good. I uh, certain ones I won't forget. And like I said, we're coming up with Tom Petty. We'll talk about that as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess I got to... So have you got any more notes that you need to talk about? I interrupted you and... No, no, I, I really think... I mean, I'll talk about the cover stuff when I go through it. Yeah. Okay, so the con- uh, con- for context, this was their I, date... I, sorry, I do have... I have to do more stuff. And I, okay. do, and I do have to do my whole thing still. Yeah, yeah, I know that. I'm just finishing off a little okay, bit. Okay, hold on of... a sec. I will say that, like I said, this was a staple growing up, getting high and spitting this album. And even when we didn't have the album, everybody had a copy in their in their vehicle or whatever when everybody got to the point of driving. Um, it, this is one album I want to mention this too, and this will be with ELO as well, because on this show, we listen to a lot of just blues rock, blue rockabilly kind of shit. And I, I rail on it. Even though I like blues a lot, um, there's a lot of... of just garbage and it just grates on you after a while but what these guys did and it's why i love metal they took a lot of those blues elements and incorporated into here it's like this is really a very bluesy album just like super slow and heavy and that's one of the things i want to mention because it's like it's done to it's like i said right here it's a lot of blues elements i normally turn my nose up at but it's used to like godlike perfection here and it's just like you say take those blues elements and then just um because he's missing fingertips on a, uh, Iomi's missing fingertips. They've had he had to detune his uh, guitar lower to make the strings a little more bendy, so he could just like there's all these elements that make. It I this... did not know that. Oh really? Eh? No. No, that's why they they did that so that he couldn't play as fast because he was missing the two t- two fingertips. So that's why it's slow and heavy. Oh crazy! And he, and he created that whole sound because he was missing pieces of his fingers. Wow. Which is why that song is called "A Bit of Finger." Gotcha. He actually he lost it in when you know the UK sucked really hard back then. Uh, he lost his two fingertips when he was 17 working in a steel mill. And that's when he decided, I'm like, going to... And he actually created, even back then, he actually created two little finger extensions so he could play better. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Now that you say that, <laughs> yeah. I think I did know that in some yeah. in, in some capacity, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so just for context, the debut. this is their debut album, and the after album for, to this was called Paranoid in 1970. Oh, fuck, which is a, yes, this is just an equally amazing album, which you have never heard. Oh, I, nope. I hope it's in the collection. Never <laughs> I really it. do. It's so good. Yeah, this makes me want to just really sit down with their catalog and mm-hmm. go through it methodically. And Well, you've got, you got the very first one now, and you got you had number four, so there's some, there's some filling in to do there. Yep, at there least. certainly <laughs> is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it wasn't just like Black Sabbath 1, 2, 3, and 4. They didn't just go in a straight line. There was like... A bunch of different. Yeah. Like I said, paranoid. I think there's. Um, anyways, there's there's other stuff in there. Yeah. So. Ah, so Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, Warner Brothers catalog WS one eight seven one, Canada nineteen seventy one. 
Now, I'm not sure what the distinction is um, because this says reprint. It doesn't say reissue. It just says a repress. So I just wondered if they started doing the, the, the exact same, but just re, uh, putting another one out. I will say the one, the, the, the version before this one, that if you get that very first one at the very first run of the very first pressings, uh, what did I say? $1,500. $1,500, yeah. Holy did. fuck. $1,500. I thought, wow. I, I, I would buy much. a safe and put it in <laughs> yes, if that we had that worth, one. That is worth putting somewhere, <laughs> for sure. That is some currency in the apocalypse. Uh, so this is a variant, too. Um, actually, because I, I variant, too, all the numbers and everything match, except the label is a little bit different. Everything is the same. Uh, the condition, the cover is uh, very good, with the exception of one corner, the top corner here. But other than that, considering it's from 1971, that's in fucking great condition. Like, I just, mm, it's so good. And considering and it where, feels it's, solid too. where it's lived for a lot of its life. Yeah, and like, I used to pull this out as a, a kid and play it, and it's just like, it's amazing to me how good it is still. Um, the sleeve is plain paper, which is actually how it came back in the day. Uh, the vinyl's very good. There was no scratches and scuffs. Uh, I thought it's, it played well, and the audio surprisingly fucking excellent for an album from 71 that we've listened to a lot. It was full, rich sounding. Balanced. The, balanced, the mix. Yeah. It used the sound feel all over. I, ah, yeah, it sounded everything about it so fantastic. Um, pardon me. The design and cover by an uh, artist named Keith. Keith, a.k.a. Keith McMillan. <laughs> Uh, 94 visual credits to his name. He's been on the show at least once with Rod Stewart Smiler. Um, he was a UK a photog and designer. Moved on to direct music videos later. Uh, has also worked with Kiss, Manfred Mann, and David Bowie. So I just want to get into the cover a little bit here. The cover was shot at Maple Durham Watermill, which is on the River Thames? Thames. Uh, Thames. Thames. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in Oxfordshire. Oxfordshire their names Oxford it's just like I just kind of condensed it I, mean, I think the name was longer but I was just like oh Oxfordshire that seems fine um, the figure dressed in the black is a model by the name of Louisa Livingstone uh, she tried or they they tried using dry ice to create a, a foggy effect but it didn't work they actually just throwing chunks of you can't really see it, but there's a pond here she's standing next to and they were just literally just throwing blocks of dry ice into it trying to create smoke and it wasn't working it's funny because I thought that was Ozzy on the cover like, That's funny. I bet a lot of people... Looking at yeah. it from the angle Be, that I'm well, looking at it right now. Because, too, back then, he had long hair yeah. that looked just yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. Dark, and um, dark eyes and... So, they didn't work, so they ended up using a smoke machine, which is funny because I don't... You can't you don't really, really see notice it anyways. It at all on there. I mean... No. I, so, that's, that's kind of funny. I was reading that. Um... So, they used to, uh, so oh, the other thing was Louisa was actually nude under the robe. Because uh, they were going to do some other stuff where she's like, kind of like the, the robe would be like, so you see the outline of her boobs and stuff. But once they got the shot in there, like, nah, don't worry about the rest of it. This is pretty solid. And um, there is a gatefold version of this album, too. This one's not gatefold. But in the gatefold version, there was a poem written in an upside down cross, which caused some controversy. No doubt. Controversy. Uh, controversy. No doubt. So it wasn't the band didn't like I know about or approve it it was one of the artists that did it and like stuck it in the gatefold one so when it came out people were like oh shit these guys are fucking satanists and all that and the band was like well, the band was like no I mean it played into their perfect yeah for yeah them. it didn't help that they were they know, already really dark yeah. and heavy and stuff so and, Tony Ohm, yeah. Iomi was like and then all these fucking weirdos start showing up at the at the gigs <laughs> but he's like but they were like 
you know, sales. Yeah. <laughs> but they're like, well, we had, they're like, we had nothing to do with any of that shit when they when they made it. It was just somebody stuck it in there, and then it just kind of blew up. So from oh, there hilarious. on, it was just like Black Sabbath and Satanism, and the band's like, that's not it. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that is it for me on the Sabbath. Okay, so Discogs, 202 people have it, 579 people want it, yeah. can't say as I blame no. them. It gets 4.4 out of 5 with 25 people uh, chiming in. Yeah. Resale value on this particular version mm -hmm. is $14.99, $39.99, and $50.40. Yeah, we're, I think we're probably pretty close to that 50 mark here. This is like in spectacular condition considering its age. Yes, I would, I would say so, yes. And I don't think we mentioned at the top of the episode, but what? this is episode one. Oh, we didn't. We just got into it. You're right. Yeah. Episode one hundred four. Yeah, yeah. Episode one hundred four. So. Oh, just kind of. Uh, what do you give it? Man? I give it a five out of five. It's a must listen, must own, must everything. Everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm five out of five. It's like the perfect metal album. It's a perfect album. Yeah, five out of five too. It's been a while since we handed out one of those. Yeah. And uh, important stuff. All right. Okay. As much as I hate to say goodbye, yeah. Black Sabbath. Sabbath down. Sabbath down. Whew. Good one. Okay. Number album number two, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Southern Accents. So we did another um, another review on a Tom Petty album called Hard Promises about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Now it's weird we're getting all these about a year ago's. Yeah. Um. So Tom Petty, an American rock band formed in 1976. The band's music was considered as both Southern Rock and Heartland Rock. The Heartland Rock became less popular in the 90s, but the band remained popular and active touring regularly until Petty's death in 2017. Mm -hmm. After which... Hold on a sec, hold on a sec. R.I.P. Tom Petty. Yes. Okay, sorry. That was a sad day, for sure. That was brutal, yeah. yeah. I remember exactly what we were doing when we were... When we well, it was just like the whole thing, oh, isn't he dead? Is he dead? He's yeah, in, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, He's dead, fuck. oh, no, wait, he's not. Gosh, yeah. Um... After which the Heartbreakers disbanded. Uh, the band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2002. Mm -hmm. It was their first year of eligibility. Uh, Southern Accents is the sixth studio album released in oh. 1985. Okay, so they've been around for a while. Okay. Uh, it was originally supposed to be a concept album, um, but it had five producers, so it's no wonder That's that never a great... the concept was lost. Yeah, it was very muddled. Yeah. Also, one of the producers, Dave Stewart of the Eurythmics, um, ended up writing three songs for the album, and then other thong songs were scrapped in favor of his. And you know, it's while mixing the album's opening track, Rebels, Tom became Tom Petty became so frustrated he punched a wall, severely breaking his left hand. Jeez, Tom, don't do that. You're so skinny. Surgery, and... surgery was required. Oh shit. Um, and it left him with several pins, wires, and screws holding his hand together. Wow. God damn. And I can understand, like, when I get to the credits, or the the producers, like, you'll understand why it was, it had no vision or flow? continuity. Yeah, continuity flow. is actually a good way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, the album went to number seven in the U.S., despite all this. Just, yeah. So, five producers, a guy named <laughs> Mike Campbell, who was also in the band. Tommy Iovine, Tom Petty, Robbie Robertson, and then Dave Stewart. So Mike Campbell, 130 producing credits, including Tom's, Tom Petty, Stevie Nicks, Luba, which is a band that I love. It's Canadian. Oh, really? Okay. I listened to them a lot when I was younger. 
uh, Roy Orbison and Don Henley. Jimmy Iovine is, he's a god of producing. Produ- yeah, I was going to say, I know, I know Four, the name. 499 producing credits, Golden Earring, Dire Straits, Graham Parker, Meatloaf, Stevie Nicks, Bob Seeker, U2, and the list just goes on and on and on. Well, I just want to say real quick, too, is that and some of those names make sense because this was recorded at that uh, Sunset Studios or Sound mm. or Sound or whatever the one that Grohl did the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is at that place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tom Petty was one of the producers as well, and I couldn't find anywhere that kind of like sometimes they'll you'll find a listing of who produced what tracks. I couldn't find anything like that. Uh, Tom Petty was another producer, 141 producing credits to his name. Mostly his stuff, Stevie Nicks, Del Shannon, Bob Dylan. Hmm. Robbie Robertson, which... It's, he, it's not surprising that they had, well, there were so many, he's like he said, so many producers with Nick's visions because, man, like Robbie Robertson's going to have his own ideas about shit here. Yeah, definitely. And he's got 109 producing credits. Jesse Winchester, Bob Dylan, Neil Diamond, The mm-hmm. Band, Emmy Lou Harris, Roy Orbison... And then finally, Dave Stewart, who, surprisingly, he's got 408 producing credits. Wow. Um, the Eurythmics, a guy named Fergal Sharkey, another guy that I used to listen to oh, really? <laughs> when I was younger. And it was just like, oh, man, yeah, I remember that guy. I'd like to dig his music up again. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, Daryl Hall, Kiki D, and the Ramones. Huh. The track listing, uh, side A, Rebels, It Ain't Nothing to Me, Don't Come Around Here No More, Southern accents. Side B, make it better, forget about me. Spike, dogs on the run, Mary's new car, and the best of everything. So the the songs that were co-written with Dave Stewart are Ain't Nothing to Me, uh, Don't, Don't Come Around Here No More, yeah. and Make It Better, Forget About Me. And that one is also a single that was released off the album. Okay. It went to number 54 in the U.S., uh, Don't Come Around Here No More um, was another single. 13 in the U.S., 50 in the U.K. Yeah. And Rebels was another song, the one that he broke his hand about. Yep. Um, it was another single, and it went to 74 in the U.S. I will say, too, that... <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, Southern Accents was also covered by Johnny Cash. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Thanks mm. for mentioning that. Yeah. The runtime on this album is 39 minutes and 54 seconds. And for context, the before album was Long After Dark in 1982. And the after album was Pack Up the, Pan- the Plantation Live. Live. Oh. Which I went to, I clicked on it because I wanted to see um, plantations are getting a bad rap these days because of their role in slavery. And I was wondering if it had anything to do with a plantation plantation or, you know, but I couldn't find any about that okay and it was released in 1985 hmm. well I definitely don't think that's in there in our collection so uh, so that's it for you hey um yeah we've I, had a lot of discussions about yeah, this album we have because I think I, fa- I view it less favorable than you do um one of the biggest issues for me besides uh, we've talked about it already that it just lacks like cohesive vision and direction it kind of has a little bit of this. It has a little bit of that. There's like a fucking disco number on it. And it's just like, man, some of it works and some of it doesn't. You got to try new shit. I get it. But it, I don't think it really worked here. Yeah. Um, um, I'm surprised it did as well. And I probably didn't really start taking to it until about our third listen. 
Yeah, part of the problem is is that it's kind of sandwiched between two better albums in this episode. Yeah. So it's oh, I'm going to spoil a little bit. It's to me, it's like the it's the weakest of the three, and the biggest part of the problem for me in enjoying any part of this a- uh, album is is the sound. It sounds fucking terrible. Like the mix it's, is bad. It's yeah, the eighties. Yeah, it's that eighties uh, digital sound again, where everything sounds brittle and high pitched and. It just lacks it any definition. Blend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just doesn't. It sounds fucking awful. The eighties. It, it's amazing to hear you have Sabbath album, nineteen seventy. Fifteen years later, Tom Petty, and it sounds like you've gone backwards in terms of musical evolution, or sound wise, anyway. Yeah, it, it's terrible. And listening to it again, even on like a a better copy on um, Spotify, it, it's still it's the same thing. It lacks any low end, any mid. It's all high. It doesn't. It doesn't sound good. I don't understand how you can have this many people, music people, in, influenced or working on it. And yeah. just like, the, does the mix of it come out so shitty? I could and I think that's partly why. Because they have so many people. Too many chiefs. Mm, could be, yeah. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And I think it suffers from that. And which is weird because people, it, it gets fucking high ratings in quite a few places that I looked. And I don't agree. I there, I know there's better Tom Petty albums out. I, the ones, there's some before it that are better. The one that we covered it before was before the uh, the one that we had in the show before was before this album, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it was better. So yeah, um, like I said, there's really one or two good songs off of here. Uh, like I said, uh, "Don't Come Around Here No More" is my favorite off of there, and the only reason I'd ever drop a needle on this, "Rebels" wasn't bad. The Johnny Cash one, the cover that he did of Southern Accents is probably better than this version, just because it's Johnny Cash's voice. But uh, yeah, I'm going to take a look here quick at my notes. I don't think I really had much. Well, and, and you know, just to put it out there, we are both huge Tom Fetty, Tom, Tom Petty, Petty fans. fans. Yes, and actually, wanna, that's yeah, I want to bring that up. We talked about I would talk about seeing Sabbath, and it's one of the things that I, I'm I'm quite happy about. We saw Tom Petty <coughs> outdoor show again, outdoor show. It was Pemberton Fest in 2008. And man, what a fucking great show that was! Like, it was. It he, was. He it was up there. The band that he had with him were just kicking ass, and they played for a couple hours, and it was just yeah, it was just a lot of fucking fun, a good vibe, and it was a good night too. Because wasn't Nine Inch Nails that night as well? Mm. Or was it the second night? I don't remember. Okay. What I'd, a, have, I'd have to go get my T-shirt out yeah, to yeah. see what the lineup <laughs> exactly. was. Regardless, I, it's one of those things I'm happy we got to see because we—I mean—we got to see lots of that concert flips. Uh, oh my God! I'd have to go through and take a look. Nine Inch Nails. We saw Serge. Uh, uh, Serge. T- t- yeah. Yeah. Uh, the guy from System of Down. Tankarian. We uh, saw. Fucking tragically hip was tragically there too, hip was which there. is one of the worst concerts I've ever seen. Um. Yeah, there was some really good bands that weekend. Yeah, I think, I mean, we didn't see him, but I think, like, Jay-Z was there, and... Yeah, we never did go into any of the tents or anything like that. No, DJ Shadows. Yeah. I regret the tent stuff, actually, now, in hindsight, now. because yeah. we know so much more. Yeah, yeah, because we've seen, we've seen DJ Shadow three times, and all three At times, least. it's been such a fantastic experience. Yeah. That, yeah, if he ever came around again... Oh, yeah, DJ Shadow is one of those ones that's an automatic for us, and it's a hell of a lot more than three times. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure, well, not a hell of a lot more, but. Yeah, yeah. But no, I. At I, least three times. I'm glad, it. I'm like, those one of those shows that I'm glad that we got to experience, and I'm glad we got to see Tom Petty, because like I said, it was great. We're with our friend. Uh, he'd never seen, like, you know, I'd definitely never seen Tom Petty. He's probably familiar with the hits or whatever, but he was really impressed by the show as well. 
Yeah, it was just yeah, it was just the excellent musicians playing music. It was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it was a good time. Okay. And in the setting. <laughs> in the setting outdoor where we're in the we're in the mountains, the fucking giant rocky mountains behind us. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're there with tens of thousands of other people. Everybody camping, getting getting stanky. It was good. Everybody bumming you for your drugs. Like, Fuck <laughs> off. Bring your own next time. <laughs> So, uh, Southern Accents, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, MCA Records, Catalog MCA-5486, Canada 85, this is original uh, pressing, it still sounds sounds like shit. Uh, The condition, the cover, it's got a bit of a condom ring, but otherwise it's very good. Yep. Solid, there's no, you can read the spine, it's 100%, there's no, so it's, yeah, it's right on. Sleeve is original, it's okay. Um, The only part is that it comes out a little too much at the, the tops and the sides because it's kind of the glue's kind of broken but if you yeah. fix the glue boom that's original it's all good right there yeah it's actually a lot of glue fixing and you fix some of the glue in there there's a lot of better um better looking albums and instead of the flopping around okay uh, what yeah, else exactly. you got <laughs> okay so oh and uh the the vinyl's a, a very good condition except the second side had a pretty big scratch i did it, i don't remember if it Skipped for us? I don't remember either. I can't remember. Um, just because they're scratched doesn't mean they skipped necessarily. Oh, but, definitely. But yeah, this one yeah. was, it took up most of the second side. It was yeah. pretty, pretty impressive. Um, the audio, uh, we talked about it. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. Um, all high tones, poor sound field, fuck the 80s. What <laughs> <laughs> the 80s sounded terrible with their digital stuff? Um, art Direction Design by Tommy Steele of Steelworks. Back cover and inner sleeve photos by Dennis Keeley and Steve Breitbord. Mm. Um, the cover painting on the on the front here is from the 1865 by an artist, Winslow Homer. And it's called uh, The Veteran in a New Field. So probably like a vet from the Civil, Civil War coming home to work the fields instead of killing others. <laughs> So, uh, okay, so where are we at? Uh, Tommy Steele, okay. Uh, Tommy Steele, 53 credits, including um, Neil Young, uh, The Dells, BTO. Uh, Dennis, an American artist pho- artist and photog with 266 credits to his name, DennisKeeley.com. Uh, Eddie Money, Weird Al, and Tommy Two-Tone. I just picked the fucking craziest ones. Oh, yeah, like what an <laughs> interesting group. Oh, uh, yeah, no kidding. Uh, and it's his first time on the show, and Tommy's first time on the show as well. Uh, Steve, the uh, photog with six credits, Johnny Cash Christmas, Michael Legrand, and Roy Clark and Joe... Oh, shit, country albums. Yeah, yeah, mostly country albums, and there was one spoken word uh, album by Jack Lemmon. Ha! <laughs> 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 I don't know. I thought it was weird. Spoken word, eh? Yeah. Hopefully it's a comedy album, or is it just like his... Oh, must have been. Hopefully that, or it's just like some rambling. Uh, that's it for me. All right, Discogs, 33 yeah. for sale from $12. 1,331 people have this version. 110 people want it. It gets 3.93 out of 5, with 105 people uh, voting. Uh, resale value fourteen dollars ninety nine cents, seventeen dollars and seventy nine cents, and thirty dollars and twenty four cents in its best huh. condition. People still liking it. People want it. 
And uh, what did you end up giving it? I gave it a 3 out of 5. Hmm. I gave it 2.5. I didn't feel like... Uh, the sound mix really made it hard for me. They really they took away, so... Yeah. Okay, 2.5. Okay, uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers down. Okay, and now our last album. So uh, LO2. LO2. Hmm. Electric Light Orchestra... Um, this is the fourth album that we've done by them. That's amazing. <laughs> we've done uh, New yeah. World, a New World yep. that came out in 1976. A new World Order, I think, isn't it? Or is it just a New World Record? A New World. Um, I have a New World written down. Okay, but it's I a short, yeah, maybe. it's a short form. Okay. Um, we re- did the review a year ago. Yep. Uh, El Dorado came out in 1974. Right. We did the review for it two years ago. And on the third day came out in 1973, and we did it over two years ago. Okay, so and that would have been and that would have been one of the one right this right after this one, um, uh, that last one that you mentioned. Yeah, I think it's the one that came because this one came out in '73 as well. Okay. Um, so ELO is an English rock band formed in 1970. Their music was a fusion of Beatlesque pop classical arrangements and futuristic iconography well and especially i have to say that is some of that stuff especially the beatlesque stuff is beatlesque rock is definitely prevalent oh, yeah. on this album yeah it more sure than is. more than the other one yeah uh this is their second studio album released in 1973 <coughs> it went to number 62 on the charts in the u.s uh the producer jeff lynn who is the founder of the band and the lead singer uh he's got 441 producing credits to his name all of the ELO stuff, mm-hmm. Del Shannon, Dave Edmonds, George Harrison. Uh, track listing on this album, Side A, in Old England Town, uh, or otherwise known as Boogie Number no. 2. Yep. Mama, Roll Over Beethoven. Um, side B, From the Sun to the World, or Boogie Number no. 1. <laughs> and Kuyama? Yeah, I was thinking about that too, yeah. Kuyama? Or Kuyama? Kuyama, yeah. Yeah, I like what you said there, yeah. Um, 41 minutes and 48 seconds, and the only single off this album was Rollover, Rollover Beethoven. Crazy. And it did quite well in the UK. Yeah, I know that song was a, a huge oh, hit yeah, for them. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a going concern, that song. But, and it's funny for me, though, with my least favorite song on the album. Yeah. Um, and I, I can appreciate it, but, ah, oh, man, though, like, Mama and uh, and From the Sun to the World, Boogie Number 1, those, like, especially Mama, that's a fucking great song i just love the way it's produced i love the way it sounds it's arranged it's a slow burn jam but it's still proggy you know they got and some killer piano playing i was gonna say that's they have their orchestra elements that i just incorporated so fucking good into that frog rock and it's just i love that stuff I, i really do yeah it's one of the things that i really loved about elo growing up um i always wanted I was I played clarinet when I was a kid, <laughs> and I always my one of my goals was to play with the symphony orchestra. Yeah. So I loved symphonic music, and the fact that they took rock and symphony yeah, and, and just threw like them together. together. Um, yeah, Yellow was one of my favorite bands. I owned many of their albums, and um, it was just also innovative as far as I thought. You know, as a for sure, yeah, teenager. I, I went to that. Had you ever seen them live? Never. Oh, really? Hey, no. I would love. I bet, that, especially back around this time, I bet that was fucking a hell of a show oh, because God, they would yeah. had all these, all the strings and yeah, yeah, because they actually toured around with their with, own cello players yeah, yeah, yeah. and violin, French horn players, yep. and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't just uh, a bunch of recordings in the background. Yeah, exactly. While three They're playing or four to band it. Yeah, members. Yeah. 
no they actually had their own crew and, yeah it, uh, it would have been yeah awesome to see that once again like yeah just like the staple of pro- the prog rock and like i said my mama's such a good one uh, yes listening to it again too it's like and seeing how few a few times this this album gets played i'll say too uh, in doing the research for this i am absolutely fucking shocked to my core about how low rated this album is this yeah. has got to be one of the most underrated albums i think we've listened to yeah and because like there are this... others of theirs that I like more, and I can't tell you the names of them, but ones with all the big hits. Maybe we probably covered. But it, like... I liked this one. I I did like it a lot. I liked this one because it was a little less poppy than some of those other ones. Or it was a little more. It was a little more prog rock slash instru- um, orchestra. Where the other ones can get, you kind of get into the eighties a bit more, and it's a little more. There's, those elements are still there, but it's a little more eighties pop synth rock, which is there's still some fucking great songs, but yeah. I, I think. To me, this is the first time I've enjoyed it, like the full fucking album uh, experience. And it's just, yeah, as soon as we put it on and started listening to it, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. This is like, to me, yeah, this is, it's like discovering, we, we listen to ELO, I don't think I've ever listened to this album before. And now I've already got a couple songs added to our playlist where I would, like, yeah, like I said, the two songs that I've mentioned already, I would have played on the list. Actually, you know what? And that Kiwama or whatever it's called, that's also a really good song. I mean, not there's any bad songs on here. But, no, um, that's true. There aren't. But that you're talking about the Beatles thing, and particularly the first song. I mean, we've talked about Roll Over Beethoven. Beatles have fucking definitely have covered yeah, that shit. Yeah. But uh, the old England town, in old England town, that is definitely, we were listening to it, and it's like, it's just the Beatles song. Oh, Isn't yeah, it? Like, yeah, you can really hear the Beatles influence <laughs> on it, for sure. So, so, yeah, and the other thing I'll mention, too, is that I was, I was told by, by mom that dad used to play this one in pretty heavy rotation this is what was one of his favorites so oh, I, I i kind of fucking get it now like i i uh, i totally understand why and i don't understand the low rating i really don't yeah two it constantly gets two two and a half out of five everywhere and i just like i don't ah, whatever <laughs> you guys don't can't have nice things um the uh the ratings for on Discogs are a lot higher. Um, and just one more thing. For context, the Before <laughs> album was their debut album, The Electric Light Orchestra, released in 1971. And the After was on the third day, 1973. Oh, okay. So there we go. So you were right. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, the notes I'll, I'll just throw out there real quick is that this is the first album that the actual ELO abbreviation was used. And, yeah. and from there on and it And they was dropped the the. The. They got rid of the yeah. the, yeah. Yeah. Um, there are two different covers. We have the uh, U.S. cover. But the UK version, which is also is very cool, was done by Hypnosis. But oh, not so the that's where the discrepancy yes. came up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, uh, okay. On to me now. Yeah. ELO2, or LO2, I just call it, call it LO2. Uh, Electric Light Orchestra, uh, United Artists Catalog UA-LA040-F. Just nice and short. Canada, 1973. This is a reissue, this album, and obviously it's Prague. Because, but yeah, it's reissued in 73. It's the same year it came out, too. Wow, that's weird. It was reissued right away. <laughs> uh, condition, the that cover. Feels, yeah. Uh, poorish, actually, cover. Um, the spine's really blown out the back, and it's it's pretty heavily, pretty heavily faded. But I understand why it was it was used. It probably transferred all over the place. And... Well, and the colors don't help. Oh, the, yeah, the black. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's black, dark, and yeah. dark um, and stormy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that the sleeve, there is none. So it's broad dog in it. Uh, the vinyl, considering that, 
was it this one or was it Tom Petty one that's got a scratch? Considering this is raw dogging, actually the vinyl's in pretty decent condition. Uh, there's a few small scuffs aside. I don't. I think it skipped towards the end, but it might have been just some stuff. Smudge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh, didn't notice any scratches. Uh, said that the vinyl is, is worn. The sound is still really good. It's got a good mix, good separation, like all those elements, orchestra elements, fantastic. <clears throat> Excuse me. Art direction by Mike Salisbury. Uh, designed by Lloyd Ziff or Lloyd Ziff because I like the two L's when they do Lloyd and Lloyd. <laughs> uh, photos by Marty Evans and Al Vanderberg. So Mike, he's an art director and designer with 103 credits to his name. Has appeared on the show before with Ricky Lee Jones and has also also worked with Randy Newman, James Taylor, and Gordon Lightfoot. Lloyd, uh, which is LloydZiffPhotography.com an American photog and designer with significant credits for Columbia and Epic Records. Now, here's an interesting one. I have, so he has on Discogs, he's listed as 71 credits. But if you go and look at the submissions pending, it's almost 400. So I've noticed that on some of these guys that, it, it, like it says, that he's you know got significant credits for these companies, and they go, it's only, only 71 credits. Well, if you go below it, there's sometimes if these guys have it, it'll say this one said 393 submissions pending. Huh. So is that like they have to go and confirm still? Because that's that's a lot of fucking credits. To that is just, a lot to just like 400 arbitrarily to, keep. From yeah, him. just to sit there. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to keep an eye on that from now on because I know that does pop up every once in a and while. And that's just with the art. I've never noticed it with producers. Yes, it's just with the art. Yeah. So well, that I've seen so far, I've never looked at the producers, but I just noticed it today because it's like it contradicts itself. So I'm going to keep an eye out in the future because I know we've talked about this in the past that I know that some of the credits are missing for some of these artists. So he's also worked with, uh, Don McLean, asleep at the wheel and Jay Giles band. All of whom we've reviewed on this show. Yes. Oh, and, and that's it for me. Okay. So discogs three for sale from $5 and 67 cents. 81 people have it. 45 people want it. It gets 3.73 out of 5 with 11 people uh, Well, that's better. That's, that's, that's better. Resale, uh, 701, 882, and 898. Yeah, this one, this one, the people got their copies of it. This one, not so, uh, not so rare. So, uh, okay, so what'd you give it? I give it 3 out of 5. Oh, 3, hey? Yeah. I gave it 4. I really, I really like this album, and I think it's, I've said it before, I think it's wildly underrated. Um... And I will definitely have added a couple songs to it. And it's definitely something I'm going to go back and listen to. Yellow's great. Mm -hmm. Great anyways. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. All right. That. Takes us to best of three. The best of three. Well, like shit. That's. You already probably know by now. Yeah. It's going to be Black Sabbath Sabbath. for both of us. Sabbath. Bloody Sabbath, man. Yeah. All righty. So grateful for a good episode. Hopefully next one's not too bad. Yeah, it's just nice to have a reset, a refresh, and come at it and just be like, oh god, just have some albums that don't fuck, don't and not, suck. Not so be bad. such Debbie Downer. Yeah, not exactly. Not to be so down as to be positive and be like, mmm, some some music. Here's that's... one for you, folks. Yeah, <laughs> something that makes you happy and warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah. And so hopefully, like you said, next week is better, even better. That'd be great. Let's just keep getting better every show. Yeah. Fingers crossed. You're on out for the next hundred. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening uh, later on. Bye. Bye. Oh, thank you.